For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome to The Crunch, the only podcast that doesn't use the Easter octave as an excuse for gluttony. It's your boy, Ethan. And I'm Patrick. <laughs> I said I say that, but it's a complete joke. This morning, I woke up and I said, it's a meat Friday, and I immediately took a shot of whiskey and had three Slim Jims. So, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I woke up this morning, and instead doing. of making my, I saw, I saw I'm going to make my usual oatmeal, and I saw we didn't have any bananas, and so I said, oh, well, and I drank the rest of the strawberry Chick-fil-A milkshake in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> This morning I said to myself, I was going to have some oatmeal, but then I saw we didn't have any oatmeal, so I just made an entire bowl of sausage, and I just <laughs> ate that for three hours. I did have chicken fajitas today for lunch oh, that we made. I, I, I can't I. figure out how to... So we make chicken fajitas in the crock pot, but I can't figure out how to make the chicken fajitas not drip out the bottom of the taco. Dripping out the bottom? What do you yeah, mean dripping gross. out the bottom? Like the juices. The Where do they drip out? Does your crock pot have a crack? Is it a crack pot? No, 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 no. Is that where the juices no, are leaking? No, 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 The juices are staying in the crock pot and they're okay. marinating in the, in the chicken. And yes. it makes the veggies all soggy, first off. Sure, yeah. But then we put the fajitas in the taco, in the burrito wrap, and we uh-huh. wrap that bad boy up, and then I turn it, like, from, it's usually horizontal, you know, and then you turn it vertical so you can mm-hmm. eat it, because it's hard to eat it horizontally, I've tried. Right. And, <laughs> and my mouth just doesn't open that wide anymore. <laughs> and I... Anymore. <laughs> And Ever it, just since drips, the surgery. it just drips out the bottom. It's like it's mm. like this weird mixture of chicken juice, sour cream, and salsa juice. It's gross. Put that in an IV though, and I'll be um, set up for for life. It's like honestly, the, the, the it's like it's like a it's like a taco Lacroix. You know, it's it's oh just, yeah. oh that doesn't sound good at all. Can you imagine a Lacroix that's flavored like the burp that you have after you eat like six tacos? Because <laughs> that's kind of what Lacroix is like. Drinking LaCroix is kind of like tasting the burp you have after you eat whatever it is the LaCroix is flavored at. Oh, I didn't realize you know? we already I didn't realize we already did the hot take time we're already doing the hot take time machine because that's a tweet from five years ago. Is it really? Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. Making fun of LaCroix is very five years ago. Until t- uh right after the Gen Z started going, We don't want to buy soda. Uh LaCroix is cool now. Do you Listen, know that? The LaCroix joke that I've always heard is like it's like dropping a skittle in water. Yeah. I've never heard people compare it to the taste that you have when you burp. I've, I've I've heard I've heard it like uh, the taste of Lacroix is like there's a strawberry nearby. That's pretty funny. Like at least a mile away. Yeah, I here's do the thing about here's the thing about jokes. If they're funny, then they're funny. It doesn't matter if they've been made before. As we oh oh what from, an interesting from last what an interesting episode. tone what an interesting song to sing on this <laughs> the the April the April eleventh two thousand and twenty one <laughs> the year of our Lord what an interesting what an interesting song to sing this week. Look, it's a, it's a new week. I don't I don't have a long memory. I don't know. I just I can't. I don't remember. You I don't hold on to tomb. You I don't hold on to grudges. <laughs> I don't hold on to grudges from the past. It's it's that's not something that I do. So if you're referencing something in before, then I've washed my hands of it. You know? like, 
like Pontius Pilate in The Passion of the Christ, I'm going to get a ceremonial bowl and wash my hands of whatever it is you're upset about. <laughs> what do you mean smoking a bowl doesn't refer to eating cereal as fast as you can? <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's that a tweet good. from forever ago. That was a good one. That, that is a good tweet from forever. Hey, happy Easter, by the way. Thank you. It's still Easter. I, Unironically, I did eat a lot. My birthday was yesterday. Oh, um, frick. Was it actually? It was, yeah. I am so sorry. No, Happy that's birthday. Okay. No, that's okay. I, I deliberately had... deleted my birthday off of Facebook so I okay. wouldn't get a bunch of posts about it. Okay. I just had no clue. Yeah. Wow. No, it's Happy fine. I don't, I don't advertise this fact. That's amazing. You're Thank finally you. 21. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm finally 18. I love um, doing that to people. Picking a year arbitrarily, like three to four years younger than what they actually are, it's, it's like... It's so funny because it's not like, oh, you're finally 18. Like, I know you're not 18, but it's not like, you know, because if you're one, you're off, then it's kind of weird. So you just yeah. have to always, I don't know how old you are. So yeah, I just, I know you're not 21 real, though. though. So there it is. I, I like, like I like, I like miss aging uh, kids. Yeah. When I'm, when the kids are like, when kids talk to me, when I walk to, it's like some of our meetings are in the school. And so mm-hmm. I'll walk by and the kids are at lunch Yeah, and they're like, they recognize me from like altar server training or something. Uh huh. And they're like, blah, blah, blah. Do you like Pokemon? <laughs> Obviously. Duh. <Yeah. laughs> and I'm like, blah, blah, blah. I'll say, I'll like, oh, how do you know about Pokemon? What are you like, five? And they're like, I'm nine. <laughs> <laughs> and then their friend goes, actually, she's eight and a half. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh no. Oh, way. you just got exposed <laughs> online in the lunchroom. <laughs> Hey, and kids, they understand what those, hey, those Hey kids, everybody in the lunch room make a TikTok of this fool. Hey, come make hey, fun of this person. Why don't you Fortnite dance ahead <laughs> six months so you can actually talk to me? I don't talk to an eight year old. Get out of here with that. I wish wow. we could more. Did you, <laughs> did you did you put efficiency five spell on that attack? Because that's that that axe is super efficient. It's made of diamonds. <laughs> Uh, let me tell you what Minecraft. Minecraft. Hey, you kids play Minecraft? No, they don't. They play. play they play Roblox. I made like a Fortnite reference to them, and they're mm-hmm. like, "I don't play Fortnite anymore." And then one was like, "My mom doesn't let me play Fortnite," and I'm like, "Good, listen to your mom." <laughs> you guys seen the new Rick and Morty Fortnite that's coming out? Yeah, right. <laughs> that's uh, that's probably going to be a phrase that I'm going to say for the next twenty years. You see, yeah, the new you guys Rick, see the you, you see, see the new the... Rick and Morty Fortnite that's coming out. <laughs> Uh, for the first just... year and a half of being a youth minister i so <laughs> i i like unironically didn't know anything about Fortnite except from what gomer talked about on catching foxes right and so my kids would talk about Fortnite and PUBG, and i'm like i don't know what any of this is and yeah. overwatch um but then when i went to go like visit phoebe's family sh- she has a younger sister who's 14 and so she told me all about Fortnite and PUBG mm. and overwatch yeah. uh yeah but you can't play any of those games you have to you have to have like PlayStation online or whatever it is, and uh-huh. they, and her mom was like, "I'm not paying for that," and I was like, "Listen, I get it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's probably probably for the best." Oh, that's so funny. I'm actually nine. It's like dog. It doesn't make a difference. You have no idea. It makes a difference to you, but it you're doesn't the, matter. Everyone under the age of ten is the same age. No one. Re- no, the, they don't realize this. They have no. They have no clue. Can you remember? I have a distinct memory when I was a kid, uh, in elementary school. We were at recess. And I don't know if you had this, but the recess times were kind of staggered. So like yes. you would you would have a whole recess time, but then like one group would go in halfway through and then the other group would come out halfway through. So you'd get 
like three different groups kind of throughout the whole time that you're out for recess. And we were on the soccer field playing soccer. I think it was in first grade. And then the second graders came out to to play and like somebody yelled second grade and then you just see like a wave of them charging towards the soccer field and like in the moment it was like they're so much bigger what are we gonna do no run but then actually like imagining that from a teacher's perspective of just like seeing a bunch of kids the same size running towards each other acting as if they're, they're completely different it's like this is so funny i uh, that that reminds me of one time at at PE. I think my my coach thought it was a good idea for I in my head I remember it being like imagine a group of pre K kids playing tug of war against high school seniors. Like that's what it in my head that's what it felt like. Uh-huh. But it was probably first and second grade, and yeah. I just remember at the water fountain, and some kid was taking too long, and someone was like, "Hurry up!" and I was like come on we're all thirsty and people were kids were like crying what because we lost that bad it was like oh, wow. it was awful and we were playing tug of war i don't know if you know about this about ropes but uh their rope burn is named after ropes uh for a <laughs> <laughs> walter and, uh, m rope walter m rope invented the invented first rope, rope burn, burn. <laughs> And and I was like I was like come on we're all thirsty. I remember my friend Josh turning around and going we're not thirsty. My hands are on fire. <laughs> and he was like very upset with me. And I was like I'm sorry, Josh. I'm that's so crazy. sorry. Yeah. I feel like everyone has kind of these memories of when you were about that age of things being way more dramatic than they actually were. Oh yeah. And I'm sure. And imagine if those are the ones we remember. How many more there that we don't remember <laughs> yeah, how many we've, we've completely blocked out completely forgotten people say about really smart people like he's forgotten more than you'll ever learn and that's like well i've been more dramatic than i'll ever remember so <laughs> anyway Speaking i uh the past no yeah well i was gonna up? say we should i was i was thinking for reasons entirely logistical that we should skip the hot take time machine and go straight into the patron questions today Great, I'm in. I have an I have an okay. on account of the fact that it's Easter week. I don't want to do any work, and I forgot to pull one up before the podcast. Gotcha. So. I I, <laughs> I pulled one up that um is an April one, but we can save it. We should save it. We're always okay. hurting for more content after the Logan quotes debacle of last week. I think we've we've given people more <laughs> enough more than enough to chew on for the, it, this. This is this weeks. just relates to our conversation we had before the podcast, so it might not be funny in a week. Oh really? Yeah. So my friend on April Fool's Day um, posted something on my on in 2016. Posted on my on my wall back then. I think it was. Uh, <laughs> uh, truth is, choosing Catholic education was a huge mistake, and I don't think that was an April Fool in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yeah, it was great. Anyway, that's it. I'm not gonna. Do that's that pretty good. That's pretty good. Good. I mean, I'm glad we. I'm glad we got that out of the way. Do a short hot take time machine. Yep. Uh. So I posted on the Crunch Patrons Facebook page. If you're not on this page, it means that you're not a patron. And if you're not a patron, that means you can't submit questions for us to talk about on everyone's favorite monthly segment, the monthly mailbag. It's back, baby. We are we are here just like we were last month and the month before that, and we'll be here next month. Wait, sorry, someone's at my door. Hold on. Hello? <laughs> Hey, it's me, the mailbag guy. I've been locked inside of a closet for two and a half years, and I'm back, baby. Oh, hey, mailbag guy, what do you got for us? Well, now I'm going to switch into a voice that sounds more vaguely like Ethan, so he can tell us the questions he posted. I I got some questions here. (laughs) 
I don't know why that got me. It's probably because really, I, really I didn't think you were going to do it. <laughs> uh, so we, we if you're if you're a patron, patreon.com slash the crunch, you can suggest topics for us from the monthly mailbag that we do every single month, as you know. Every single month, and we do not so, label the episode because you guys will stop listening. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's true. So uh, do and you want to start off with this far in, so you can't click out what? You want to start off with a fun one, or do you want to start off with like a uh, more serious, intense one? I mean, per our per our weekly podcast planning meeting, I I thought we agreed that we were going to start off with the fun one. Okay, so this first one's from Andrew Jordan. Uh, he said that meeting does not exist, as it obvious. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't have any meetings for this podcast. He said, how do we feel about air fryers? I just got one. Pretty great results on some Costco chicken nuggets, but I wonder if I've just paid my dues to the hype machine. I've already got an oven. Why did I buy this? <laughs> well, Andrew, Business Jordan, um, as someone with an appliance degree like yourself, you should know, um, air fryers work differently than your conventional ovens. Okay. Tell us more. Okay, so they... This is also <laughs> Cuisinart, if you're listening, and I know that you are. Sponsor us, please. Sponsor us, please. We, everything, everything that we are doing is to secure that rare, rare Cuisinart, that purple, emerald purple rare Cuisinart sponsorship. Nobody else has it. Nobody else is going to get it except for us. <laughs> Emma has a Cuisinart air fryer. We are already deep in the sauce. All you have to do is call me, Cuisinart. I made Continue. some... Continue some fried uh spicy thai chili chicken wings like i i hand battered them myself how many many adjectives do you put on your food normally um at least fried spicy thai chili sorry no it's it's sweet thai chili sweet thai chili yeah sweet thai chicken and it's it's it is spicy but it's sweet and spicy thai chili chicken wings um wings is kind of an adjective no chicken is an adjective for wings anyway so (laughs) Um, I love my air fryer because it takes a little bit of oil and it makes the air around it oily. And so it uses less oil to fry it. You don't have to like deep fry it, you know, uh, it makes things crispier and it doesn't do that thing that ovens do where your fried things are kind of soggy ish. Cause the water in them, it like, I think, heats that's up. What a, I think that's what a microwave does. No, an oven does it too. Okay. I mean, you can make, you can, I think you can accomplish similar, uh, similar things by turning your oven on broil, but you have to flip the fries over if you want to broil both sides and get both sides nice and crispy. Whenever I'm making pizza in the oven, I broil it for the last two minutes. You got to remember to flip. If you use your air fryer and you don't remember the flip, you're probably not getting your money's worth. Yeah. You got to flip. I do the, I do the the pull and shake, you know, I just (laughs) take it and I toss it around. (laughs) The old, the old shimmy. I, I will say. I don't know what your kitchen setup is like. Obviously, we know you have an oven. Emma owns an air fryer. I do not own one. We are. I am about to own one because we're about to be <laughs> united in everything. Do you have to um, claim that on your taxes? Like, I am I, now the owner of an air fryer. I'm now the owner of an air fryer. That's a $3,000 deduction. Yes. Amazing. Yes. So, I will say the one thing that I've gained from the air fryer in addition to the sweet, crispy goodness that we get out of it every time, every single time we make uh, broccoli with olive oil and garlic salt inside the, the air fryer, which is delicious, um, is I get a good leg workout because Emma likes to store hers on the floor of her closet, and so oh, yeah. I, I am always I'm always down there and I'm back up, and then when we're done, where's it going? Down there, and I'm back up, 
So if you if you use the fryer for everything, you can put it in a place that is kind of hard to maybe you put it up high, you know, instead of on the floor, maybe you could get some shoulder presses in <laughs> yeah. when you're when you're getting out cuz those things, I tell you what, they're not light. No, they're not. They're not they're not light machines because they're not, they have to They don't have grabbing handles, you know? No, they don't have grabbing handles and they Name me an appliance that does have grabbing handles, please. Coffee pot. But the but the pot itself doesn't have. <laughs> yeah, the coffee like pot the has whole, a handle. The coffee make the pot does, but the coffee maker does oh. not have a uh, a handle. Fair enough. Uh, maybe the maybe the crock pot does. Microwave. Microwave doesn't have handles. <laughs> yeah, it does. How do you open the microwave, Ethan? No, yeah. I mean like for holding and carrying, not for. Opening. You can hold it up. You can hold the microwave by the handle. It's probably not a good idea. Probably, probably not for very long. <laughs> Or very like abruptly, you know, you don't want to pick it up by the handle. You want to at least imagine, have the door open. Imagine a world <laughs> if we lived in where every single appliance was made, obviously, to be carried around. They would that all look so different. Moving would be so much easier. I know, but but storing them, like your your fridge, your beautiful, sleek Kenmore fridge, stainless steel, two <laughs> giant handles like sticking out the side. <laughs> what about a vacuum? Like, Vacuums for? have carrying handles. I wouldn't say that that's a carrying handle. That's a that's a using handle. It's a maneuvering handle. <laughs> yeah. I gotta, yes, there I are no appliances a... with that that are that have handles solely for the purpose of what moving. Is, <laughs> what is the appliance that you need the most that you don't own? For me, it's a vacuum. I do not have one. Oh, I was going to say I, I don't I technically own my toilet. I rent it. <laughs> you rent? That's fair. <laughs> it's part of my apartment. <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't count a toilet as an appliance, though. Fair. Because really, if you think about it, you are the appliance and you're applying yourself to the toilet. Same day delivery, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I actually, ever since I got married, I no longer have any appliances that I need. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I no longer. I no longer have. Sorry, I no longer have an appliance that I need. As in, like, I don't need to go buy any. <laughs> that's pretty good yeah this is a this is welcome to the jerry seinfeld comedy hour uh talking about my wife um i i think i'm gonna find myself in a similar position i i think the wedding registry is a huge gift and then one day i'm never gonna i'm never gonna go into the kitchen and be like man i wish i had one of those yeah right. and then just like not not operate with it i was like why do we need an owl shaped spoon holder and now i'm like man now i never need to worry about where am i gonna put my spoon <laughs> where, where am i gonna put my spoons at night <laughs> uh okay this is good i think this is good you have any other thoughts on the on the air fryer for andrew business jordan no andrew business jordan but i think i think um i think you you need to look up specifically air fryer recipes to get the most yeah no fryer. i think that's that's a good point there's probably some kind of betty crocker betty fryer uh air fryer <laughs> <laughs> uh, instead recipe. of a betty crock pot it's a betty it's air fryer a betty air fryer um just check that out see see what you can find post it in the group let everybody know the the great good recipes that you find yes yeah, send send me the uh send me the broccoli one that you did because we make broccoli I mean, it's, too it's much. not really it's not really a recipe you just kind of chunk up a head of broccoli you throw it in the thing you put a bunch of oil and salt and garlic garlic powder on it and then you do it for emma just kind of eyeballs it she's really she's she lives on the edge she doesn't she does not trust the timer yeah she just will throw it in there for at 400 degrees and just say i'm gonna watch it and i'm like yeah. what? That's, that's crazy. what I do. That's what I do. How do you, 
Well, who are you people? I'm not. I'm not doing a science experiment. I know what foods look like. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. I'm not testing a hypothesis. Yeah, I know. I'm making much, broccoli. I know it's going to work. I know. I know whether. I know how much cumin to put in things. You know, like if I put in this much, Phoebe will say, "Wow, babe, this is great. What'd you do different?" And then if I do put this much, she'll put, "Wow, this is this is not good." If I put too much cumin in it, then I know that my stepdad is going to start choking <laughs> and demand his inhaler every time I use cumin, which is roughly three times a week. I think about Drake and Josh. <laughs> And and every time I make oatmeal in the morning and I accidentally grab the cumin instead of the cinnamon, I go, wow, just like Drake and Josh. <laughs> Never mind. I think about it every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. The spice heard around the world. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of The Crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Next, next question from Katie Rydell. Thank you, Katie. Uh, it's not as much of a question as it is a demand. It okay. says, <laughs> it says all the study tips slash deep work slash writing better tips, which I oh, feel like is, this is okay. good for you, Pat. Um, all right. So uh, the writing tips usually start off with generic advice, which if you haven't heard it before, it's important advice like schedule your writing time early in the morning and, you know, have a set word goal. So you push yourself a little bit. Um <clears throat> Not enough time, it, not enough advice is centers around uh, you have to think in order to write. No, and so, no, 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 no. There's no way that that's true. Not only. <laughs> I don't, I don't yeah. believe it. I'll, I'll, if you go to any student success services, whatever, on campus, they'll have like writing tips. And it'll be like, here's how to structure your writing. And here's how to blah, blah, blah. And none of them start off with the idea of, hey, you have to have ideas to structure your ideas. It's like starting off a blog about how to live the Catholic life and the first thing being prayer. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just which like, oh, also we're going to skip this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah which yeah. also happens. Um, and so it's like you got to you gotta not just schedule your writing time, but like schedule time to go to a place where you can just be by yourself and learn how to think through complicated thoughts without getting distracted. And if you like get distracted, like, you know, recenter and focus. Anyway, um, that's something that not a lot of people think. Uh, another writing tip, um, instead of crafting an outline, craft a story. Like, where do you want your reader to start when they start your essay? When they start reading your essay, where do you want them to end? Um, yeah, in, instead of just like, because that that also gets you out of the 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 like funk of I just need to regurgitate everything I know about a topic. Um, I like to save certain reveals till the end. I think that's all. Of, I think that's like some of what makes my writing a little more. Um, I think that's what that, that's what has made my writing good when I was younger, and it still still is that same way. Um, I like to. I don't like to reveal things right away. You know, that's something mm. that that's something that uh, I was told not to do when I was in elementary school. They're like, you want to put your strongest argument first. You know, and I can I can understand that. But like, 
I want to like build agreement. I don't want them to agree with me right away because then they're gonna be like, yeah, this guy's right, whatever, he's done, you know. And it, then they don't get to the fun part, you know. So yeah. I like, I like, like I, I like to, I like to bring them along, you know, be like, okay, if you didn't like that one, here's another idea. Uh, my deacon, my deacon article was like that. My deacon um, literature review was like that. Like the big, the big like theological point was right at the end. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to think what else. Uh, as a, I'll, I'll just jump in while you're thinking for some other things uh a a phrase that's really good very helpful actually to just tell any story ever um is the little formula somebody wanted but so then it's very very easy to remember Mm -hmm. because every story has to be about somebody Mm -hmm. um and the drive of that story has to be that they want something because if Mm -hmm. they don't want anything or want something to change then they're just there's no story then it just stays the same and so pretty much every story fills in this you know uh, somebody wanted, but something happened. So they did this, then this was the resolution. And so if you're struggling with like, how do I even begin to shape the overall structure? Um, it's an easy way to share the gospel also, uh, somebody wanted, but so then, so that's a, that's a, that's a nice little storytelling tip. If you've never heard that one before. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of, I mean, in terms of advice for, um, for writing, research papers i i think there's this really good structure that i can't i can't go into it's like a, it's like a writing process so you know get a topic then a thesis then take a break and like discuss that thesis with your professor or your friends and then write uh, then do your researching do your thinking do an outline and then take a break talk about your outline with your professor talk about it with your friends then write um Something something good that I did for my my research paper that um wh- that I've never done before was I actually made an Excel spreadsheet with all the quotes I wanted to use. Every time I found a quote, I would write and essentially in an Excel spreadsheet I would write author, citation, page number, and then the quote. And then I organized those quotes into topical I like when I did my outline, I was like, here's the story I want to tell, and I split it into ten sections. You know, which is not a conventional way to write a paper. There's supposed to be five sections, right, Ethan? An introduction, three body paragraphs, and a conclusion. Everyone knows that. I, I did know that. Yeah, that's not really how anything works. Um, <laughs> I mean, have you ever read a book that was in five-paragraph essay format? You know, no. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Harry Potter. So um, <laughs> so I, I like assigned it three th- uh, Harry wanted to sections. be accepted, but everyone thought he was a loser. So he became super powerful and then and everyone then, was just kind of okay with it. And then died, question? And then died, but then came back to life. And that's the reason everyone says that it's good Christian literature, even though it's not. <laughs> Dying Sorry. and coming back to life is good Christian literature. Uh, yeah. Never mind. Um, tell that tell that to all the pagan gods that died and came back to life and all of the mythologies of every single religion ever. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Walking, walking away. Walking, walking away. away. So... Um, Okay, sorry. So I organized the quotes by uh, by those thematic sections, and then I copied and pasted the quotes. So like I was able to in Excel spreadsheet, I just did one. This is section one. This is section two. This is section three in a different column, and then I sorted the quotes by section in the Excel spreadsheet, and then I just copied and pasted them into the section, and I wrote my essay around the quotes. Sometimes I would leave the quotes in. Sometimes I would take them out and put them in the footnotes. But Ethan, it took me two days, two days to write a twenty-six page paper. Two days. You also, and, and if you're listening to this, <laughs> if you're listening to this, Patrick is also a freak. 
Okay, that's so true. that's that is the thing that you kind of have to understand because I don't want people to hear this and think, oh, if I just put my quotes into an Excel spreadsheet, I'll be able to write a huge paper in two days. Because I mean, I I think I'm very normal, but you're right. Yes, <laughs> like you you are you're extremely gifted when it comes to writing things and then executing when you have a plan. Not everybody is, and Fair so enough. I would say my best uh, study tip slash deep, deep work tip slash writing better tip is to grow in virtue in every area of your life uh, <laughs> because <laughs> my, my study uh, tip is go to confession often, uh, go to confession often, contemplative prayer. Actually, yes. If you're not praying, if you're not taking time for silence with the Lord, and if you're not actively trying to root out vice in your life, then uh, studying is going to be harder just objectively. Interesting. So, uh, that's that's the only realm of expertise that I have in this area is that it's easier for me to like study the real estate stuff that I have to be studying uh, when I'm living a good and virtuous life. It's really hard for me to study real estate stuff when I, you know, eat a bunch of cookies and kind of lay around and kind of be like, oh, what's going on over here in the YouTube world? You know, like it's just then I don't then I'm not as effective. But when I'm locked in, I'm like, OK, I'm not going to I'm going to eliminate distractions. I'm going to eliminate snacking all these kinds of things that 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 inflame my passions then it's way easier just to sit down and do what i need to do so that's all i have i can't i can't contribute much more i mean that's all i have to i mean the best advice is read his books uh cal newport's books there's two that i recommend um deep work is a really good one obviously Mm -hmm. but for specifically your question he wrote a book called how to be a straight a student um and it's for college students. Uh, it's specifically for college students that are in undergrad. And I highly recommend it. He's got some really good sections on paper writing, the different kinds of ways to take notes. Um, yeah, I love I love the way that he does note-taking stuff. It's very unconventional. The way, the way that he wrote his advice book, he's like, I'm not a professor writing success books for students. He wrote it as a student, and he talked to a bunch of Ivy League students who were like top performers, and he was like, what do you guys do? And so it's actual advice. It's not like... Here's a 14-step study uh, uh, protocol, and you're like, it's just a pop quiz. Do I have to do 14 things? No, you don't. (laughs) No, you don't. Next question, Eliza Metz. Favorite and least favorite things about being a focused missionary slash youth minister? I'm not a focused missionary slash youth minister, so, I mean, you aren't either. Oh, they meant both of us. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, got it. You're, you're very funny. Thank you. Thank you very Hilarious. much. Hilarious guy. Patrick Novi, everyone. Podcast boy. Uh, what's your favorite? Thi- what's your, I mean, maybe we could start. Should we start with the least favorite things and then end on favorite things probably? Um, Just so that we can end on a high note, you know? Yeah. With this question. Let's start with least favorite things. Oh, man. Why does youth ministry have to be at a parish? <laughs> Tell me more about that. I'd like it a lot more if it wasn't at a parish. <laughs> what is, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I can't. You want to you want to you want to work for Young Life? Oh my gosh, is, no. <laughs> is what I'm hearing. Um I think I think one of my least favorite things about youth ministry is people aren't um is like when we aren't on the same page, like when me and my staff aren't on the same mission-oriented page, you know, because like yeah. I have a mission, you know, mm-hmm. and I also, I, I have a, I have a mission for my ministry, like for the ministry that I'm in, I'm stewarding, you know, um, and that doesn't align with sometimes people on the staff, which is a bummer. Yeah. I, I would say that is pretty tough. It's the maintenance versus mission 
mm-hmm. mind. Mm-hmm. You know, some mm-hmm. some people I feel on our staff are a little too maintenance minded. I don't know. P- parishioners listen to our podcast. I don't know if I can talk about that. That's okay. You're not saying anything specific. Nah, I'm not saying anything specific. Also, they all they all see it. I mean, parishioners aren't uh, blind. Right. They know yeah. when a parish isn't is like failing in certain respects. Hi, yeah. Pam. <laughs> <laughs> you know I, what you're I doing. Say, I would say something similar about being a focus missionary is people uh, have expectations about you when you come in. And if you don't meet those expectations, then they think that the entire organization is worthless. Ah. Um, and I feel like it's very similar with youth ministry. It's like if, if you don't meet the expectations of whoever, whether it's the priest or someone who works in the office of what youth ministry ought to be, then why do we even have youth ministry? What are we doing? You know? Um, yeah, I can and see it kind that. Of, I see that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It kind of removes just the, the human element of not every focus missionary who replaces the previous focus missionary is going to interact well with the same group of students and be friends with the same group of people and uh, have the same kind of spirituality and have the same way of advertising or getting people excited about things. And so yeah, um, it's, yeah, it's just, I think the, the, my least favorite thing is just like on both ends of from my, my employers, you know, like my, from focus as an organization, the expectation to be a certain kind of missionary um, in, in one sense. And then the expectation from the actual Newman center where I've been sent to be a certain kind of missionary and then feeling like, okay, like there's obviously things that I need to grow in, but like, when do I get to be me? Like, when do I get to do the things that God is like, when do I get to live out the things that God has placed on my heart? You know? And, and you don't always have the freedom to do that. And recognizing that is really important that this is not my mission, right? I've been sent here. I'm kind of under, not really under obedience, but like I need to be obedient to the situation at hand. I can't just, force a square peg into a round hole. Um, but it, I would say that just the, the expectations and the reputation that focus has sometimes, uh, doesn't bode well for, for individual missionaries. It's good for the church as a whole because people like focus. They like the conferences. They like, you know, the, the materials that focus puts out, but then you meet individual missionaries. You're like, I thought it was like this. And it's like, and you're a person. That's like, yeah, yeah. I am <laughs> and I'm not and I'm not perfect and I can't do everything that everybody wants me to do. So mm. um, that would say that's that's probably my least I, I would love to get more specific and probably like in my lifetime on this podcast, I will get more specific about my time and focus. But since I'm still working for them, it's not it's just not stuff that needs to be just out out in the open, you know? Yeah. So we've got time. We've got time. Uh What's your favorite thing about being a youth minister, Patrick? Oh my gosh, these kids are hilarious. They're so funny. Yeah. Like I, I just, <laughs> they're all so di- when Sometimes when I talk to Phoebe about the way that my students interact with me and with me with them, she's like, I don't understand how you, yeah. like there's one kid, Jude, he's this, uh, he's like a, a short ninth grader and he has just the biggest snarkiest personality i mean i don't understand he is so intelligent and witty and you're just like i don't under i can't talk to you because you're just so like i i can't i can't hold a conversation because you're gonna win that conversation i didn't even know it was competition how are you so good at anyway he's very funny um i was like putting together a, a graphic and he came up behind me and he was like that was awful i was like <laughs> wow and i was like yeah dude okay all right come here let's let's see let's see how how you do and he's like 
He's just got to change that ball. But it was very funny. So he and I worked on that on the graphics for the entire series, just sitting right there. And every time, every week, when the new graphic came up, he was like, "Yeah, it looks better. You're welcome." <laughs> like, what a guy. Um, and like hearing about hearing about like their their classmates and their 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 lives at high school. It's just like, wow, nothing changes. Um, <laughs> and yet they all everything changes. Uh. Yeah, so my my students are by far my favorite part of youth ministry. Yeah, for me it's it's the uh, it's also my students, but it's it's different because my students are not kids; like my students yeah. are adults. Yeah, and so for me, my students, it's like I like my students in the same way that people like uh, monkeys playing around at the zoo. You know, uh huh. Like look <laughs> funny, dance more, dance more, <laughs> have more relationship problems. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll always come crawling back to the zookeeper. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I really love, this has only happened, I think, twice in my three years of being here. But seeing a student um, desire to go deeper mm-hmm. and then actually respond when you give them the tools to go deeper. Uh, it's amazing. It's actually wow. incredible. Yeah. When someone comes to me and says, I realize that I'm living a, not a Christian life. I want to live in Christian life. What do I do? And I, and I, and I can just walk them through. Okay. Here's, here's the, here's the gospel. Do you want to accept the gospel? Yes. Amazing. Okay. Here's how the, how the early Christians lived here. Let's look at Acts chapter two, right? They, they dedicated themselves to these four things. Do you want to dedicate yourself to these four things? Yes, I do. Amazing. Here's how to do that. And then you give them something each week or every two weeks and they, and they're, and they actually start to live it out and there, you can see their lives start to change and you can see their, uh, attitudes and the answers that they're giving in Bible study or the, the way that they're spending their time outside of just Bible study and mass. Like they're actually trying to do more than just the bare minimum or what they think is required of them. Yeah. Uh, and you know, they might be the only one of their friends to stay afterwards and pray, you know, after mass kind of thing. And you just start to notice these tiny little things of like, wow, I can actually see like the Lord has given me this grace of being able to see a person grow in holiness. Um, and that's just the best. That's the best thing in the world. Cause overall I haven't been a very impressive missionary in my time at the university of Tulsa. I don't have tons of converts to claim. I don't have tons <laughs> of people who have had their lives changed, but there's like one or two guys that I feel like I've helped and it's like, great. That's that's good. That's what I was here to do. Yeah. Um, and so I would absolutely say that that's, that's the best thing is actually seeing people respond to the grace that God is trying to give them because every single day I enter 99% of the people I talk to do not want to respond to the grace that God is giving them. But mm-hmm. that 1% makes it all worth it. You know, just all of the rejection and all of the people ignoring your text and coming up like you ask them if they're free on a certain day and you see them going through their mental calculus of like, what are all the things that I can say to not <laughs> hang out with this missionary? Yeah. Like all of that is worth it for the one or two people that really wow. do want it. And they really do pursue Christ with everything. And it's just like, man, praise God. That's awesome. That is awesome. Everyone be a focus missionary. If you're not a focus missionary become one apply focus.org slash apply. <laughs> I'll, if you need a reference, let me know. I will submit one, even though I don't know you <laughs> listens to the crunch Catholic podcast. <laughs> Obviously a yes. Obviously. Yes. 
that's, I mean, that's what they, the, the first thing that they said in my first interview when I applied for staff was, so tell us about this crunch podcast. And <laughs> I was kidding. like, frick, what, You're what kidding. are they going to ask said that? They did say that. No. They, they researched me. <laughs> I was, it ended up being a good thing. Cause I was like, I'm doing this to, to help souls. And they were like, oh, that's awesome. We're going to mark this down under wants to save souls. Great. I was like, oh, good, good. This is you didn't actually listen to. You didn't actually send out all of my podcasts to a Japanese transcripting company and then read <laughs> all of them to see if I had said anything insensitive, which I have. Which I have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's good. This is good. I love this. This is a. Uh, I think we've got we've got two other I guess big questions that I want to kind of get to. I don't know how much time we have. We got a bit of time. Uh, we, yeah, we got a little bit of time. I'd say like 15, 20 minutes. All right, we can we can split up these two. Uh, so this is another question from Andrew Business Jordan. Uh, he said, also, if you wanted a more religious question, and I told him that questions about air fryers are just as religious as everything else. Um, all things, he says, all beauty reflects God. So yes, everything's fryers. a gift. Uh, he said, in my most recent religious studies class, our teacher has been talking a lot about biblical literalism versus historical metaphorical readings of the Bible. His interpretation, as an academic Anglican, is that almost every book of the Bible lands very close on the metaphorical side of the spectrum. The creation story, parting of the Red Sea, mass exodus of Egypt are all stories I can understand being more metaphorical and narrative explanations of real events. However, he seems to also place things like the resurrection and Jesus's miracles on the metaphorical side, too. How do you guys look at literal versus metaphorical truths in the Bible? Or does it not even matter because the message that both communicate is true regardless of its historicity? That is such a good question. And it's I a will, great question. Such I a good love question. this question. Also, his opinion that most of the Bible is metaphorical is very convenient if you want to keep having sex with people you shouldn't have sex with. <laughs> <laughs> God only um. <laughs> metaphorically slayed all of the Israelites because they were having sex with each other. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Not it's true. just it a really metaphor, happen. okay? God was metaphor. only metaphorically saying I couldn't write my wife a bill of divorce if I thought she wasn't pretty enough. That was just a metaphor. <laughs> um... Yes, this is a very so on the serious question on the serious side. Um, Andrew makes a very interesting point, um, and his your 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 fears are correct because what you're describing is called uh, historical. Wait, no, I forgot what it's called. It's called um, the historical critical method, there you and go. it's a way of looking at the Bible. Um, ironically, it's not very historical or critical. <laughs> um, it's not critical in the sense that it's not important. Um, I'm sorry, <laughs> but wow. no, you're you're right. This is a this is a way that people started looking at the Bible in the 1600s and 1700s, and it led to stuff like Thomas Jefferson's Gospel, like a very Gnostic Gospel, and it led to denying things like the resurrection. And yeah, it led to people being like, yeah, well, the resurrection was kind of just a metaphor, it was a group hallucination. It, Jesus is alive in the church, you know, all these all these things that are that are are meant to do two things right it's i honestly think i was kind of i was kidding but there is a desire to diminish biblical realities in order to uh can allow in order to like make a uh, an excuse for me persisting in my sin right um because if the bible is metaphorical then you know so is all this other stuff right yeah if the Bible is metaphorical, then quid est veritas. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. <laughs> and it also comes from a desire to uh, to make Christianity more approachable to other religions. 
right? Well, you can. You don't have to believe in the resurrection. You don't have to believe in any of this stuff. You can just be Christian because it's all a metaphor. Isn't that great? And then people convert and they're like, yeah, okay, cool. I guess I can, you know, believe in being a real swell guy. And uh, that's Christianity. Sweet. All right, I'm in. And um, that's that's trying all, to all swell guys go to heaven. Yeah, right. Like that's we know this, and uh, it's kind of which is different from my bodybuilding club. All swole guys go to heaven. <laughs> um, and it, it's trying to make wide a very narrow road, and it's not. Mm-hmm. You can't mm-hmm. do that. Um, it's not something that we can do. Because divine providence has ordained it such that the road is very narrow and very few find it. Um, yes. Yeah. What. What I what I find interesting is um, the the willingness of biblical scholars to to engage in this very um, historically prejudiced view of scripture. Yeah. As if no one before us thought, wow, parting the Red Sea, that seems a bit much, you know, like there were yeah. people that were there, like the next generation were very skeptical that that happened and their parents were there. Right. You know? I mean, the, the reason that the Israelites don't enter into the promised land is because they forget like the, the generation after Moses and Aaron, they straight up just start worshiping Baal again. Yeah. Um, and it says in scripture, like the, the next generation of Israelites did not know the Lord, which is code for they were out of covenant with God. They, they, they even one generation after this. So like you'd think that those people who went through the Red Sea and who went through the manna and the desert, who went through the water from the rock and all of these things would tell their children, hey, here's all the cool things that happened. Here's how we were, we were disobedient. Make sure you're not disobedient. And then the first, the second chapter of Judges, it says, and then this next generation did not know the Lord. Like they just, they just forgot. Or even if they, they were told them, they just didn't believe it. They didn't care. Yeah. Which is nuts. It's nuts to me. It's, it's ridiculous. And, and yet, (laughs) Um, and yet, and yet I sin. Uh, but your, 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 your professor is wrong because, these narrative devices let's say they are symbolic um it's a historical story because we know the jews didn't die um in egypt and so if the part before like if they're running at the sea and the egyptians are behind them and they end up on the other side and all the egyptians end up dead that's not a metaphor you know yeah like it is, there's like, there's a metaphorical reality to a historical event. Like this is also sim, God allowed this historical reality to happen because it's also a metaphor for how your sin is pursuing you and through the waters of baptism, they're washed away. Your sins are washed away, right? Like it's, it is a symbolic reality yet at the same time, it actually happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and the book of Exodus is not, uh, especially those chapters are not uh, a historical, you know, fiction narrative. Like, from what I understand, Job is a fiction narrative, is a poetic narrative. It didn't it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And there are elements there that kind of show that to be the case. For instance, um, all of your cattle are dead. I alone have survived to tell you. All of your servants are dead. I alone have survived to tell you. Like the the, the odds of that happening are just ridiculous. It's obviously a narrative device, you know. Yeah. Um, God making a deal with Satan. You know that the the idea that an author could be there to know that it's. But that um, 
poetic narrative, like same with the Song of Songs, those two people didn't actually exist. Those are books that revealed hidden truths, and those are like ancient Hebrew poetic literature. But Exodus and Samuel and Kings and all of these books are narrative historical accounts. Um, and you're right, it, it, it's a sliding scale because you're like, well, this this comes from, if you want to know the philosophical roots of this, there was a guy named Hegel, I think. Yeah. 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 Do you know this? I know about Hegel, but I don't know. I don't know what you're about to say. Hegel, uh, this might have been Hegel. Hume. It was Hume. Hume. Hume said, Hume said that like uh, we know that miracles can't happen because they violate the natural law, and the natural law can never be violated, so miracles don't make sense. Um, yeah. Which is which mm-hmm. is funny because it's like miracles don't violate the natural law. God causes nature to happen and nature causes this to happen, right? Like God causes, God makes gravity and then gravity makes rocks fall. Um, God decides I don't want to use gravity. I'm going to make the rock fall. on So I'm going to, I'm going to lift the rock up, right? It's, it's, it's similar to how like you can operate outside of gravity to pick a rock up. You have the power to circumvent. That's not breaking natural law because it's an out outside of the system of the rock. You're moving it. Rocks don't move on their own, but you can move it. Um, similarly, God can act outside of the realm of nature because he is outside the realm of nature. And that's a very simplistic, I'm sure someone who's a Humean philosopher would be like, well, that's an oversimplification. But I mean, the oversimplification is how the everyday person views it. So we'll move on from there. Um, so Hume's approach to miracles obviously bled into scripture. And so stuff like, well, miracles can never happen. So therefore stuff like the resurrection can never happen. If the resurrection never happened, we might as well just go home. Yeah. I mean, the, the resurrection happened. Let's just, can we just get that out there right now? Yeah. Like this, <laughs> this is real. Um, I don't, I don't know. I think, I mean, I think you, you, you treat it pretty well, Patrick, because at the end of the day, yes, it matters. And no, it doesn't matter at the same time. Like, I recognize that scripture is true. Um, and I, I do believe that the, the events in the book of Exodus literally happened. Like I do, I do believe that. Um, regardless of the amount of like, here's, here's the thing. Cause at the end of the day, I believe that God is real and I believe that the Holy spirit is real. And I believe the Holy spirit will guide us into all truth. Okay. And to start trusting in historians who very clearly have biases and agendas to get me to not believe certain parts of scripture so that we can then allow this particular sin or that particular sin. I'm just uninterested. Like I, I'm glad that there is, there are, there's good scripture scholarship out there and I'm glad that there are people out there who are defending the scriptures. But for, for me, I'm going to trust the church because I know that the church's only agenda is that my soul goes to heaven. Yeah. And so if the, if the church teaches that like, okay, we can believe in the historicity of the book of Exodus and from Genesis 12 onwards, then like, okay, great. I'm, I can, I'm in on that because I know that that agenda is, I want Ethan to go to heaven from the church's perspective. Some people might find that to be flimsy, but I don't think, and, and I don't think it's necessarily an either or. Like I'm looking at your question again, Andrew, and it's it's not really only metaphorical or only literal. We've yeah, talked before about the senses of scripture on the podcast. Like 
there there is a metaphorical element of the Egyptians leaving the land of Egypt through the Red Sea and into the desert, right? Mm-hmm. Like leaving sin through baptism into into the the promised land. Ultimately, like that's that's the a metaphor for the Christian life, right? Moses is a metaphor for Jesus. <laughs> like yeah as is as is aaron as is joshua like you in know, a sense in a sense like a metaphor in is a, a weak word but it is a right. weak word yeah you know what i'm getting at though um so it, but it's not only one or the other and i think saying it, it only is metaphorical or only is literal and it can't be both limits the power of the word of god because the word of god can mean so many things all at one time mm-hmm. and that's okay and we are we are comfortable with that as catholics i don't know if the anglicans are comfortable with that but they should be because maybe then they would join Rome. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the Anglicans. I don't know, man. There's no. some good stuff on here. Trent Horn has a good. Uh, I'll put it in the the link. He has an, uh, a podcast is the Exodus Historical that kind of answers a lot of the historical stuff and then uh, also just his his own perspective. It seems like it it went on for a long time. I tried to like read it to see if there are any good quotes, but it's just a big long thing. So I'm going to yeah. put that in the show notes. Take take a look at that. There's plenty of good answers of real people who have real training that aren't just us. So first of all, how don't dare be afraid you? of those things. First of all, how <laughs> dare you? Second of all, I mean, come on. You're right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of these days, I'll have a, a focus missionary walk into a bar and think that they know everything about everything. scripture because one they... of these days I'll have a master's degree and then I will be a real person. Yeah. <laughs> Until then, who knows? Until then, no, no one knows. Um, okay. Do you want to take a quick dive into Dr. Ethan's dating corner for the next 15 minutes? <laughs> I do. I do. Um, okay. So. Uh, I know it hurts. I'm sorry. It's it's not, I, I, I... All right. You came to the right place. You ding dong. It's called communication, baby. <laughs> Should we do the uh, Should we do the update first before we um, get into a fine. new one? Do the update. Do the update. All right. So this is from an anonymous person. It says, "Dear Doctor Ethan and future Saint Patrick the Second, thank you for prescribing a move and to join army as a cure for my <laughs> dating woes. I'm very happy to announce a positive prognosis. Since What's, the diagnosis, what does prognosis mean? nobody knows. I have accepted a position with my diocese. The diocese of boop, as the facilities and construction manager, managing over a hundred buildings and forty six parishes." In the one of the largest and one of the most north dioceses in the United States. <laughs> I don't want to give this guy. I don't know yeah, how public he is. Dox this be. boy. I know. He had to move uh, 100 miles away in order to accept this position. Further, while I have not joined the United States Army or any country's armed forces, I did join the church militant this Easter with my baptism and confirmation and am now a Knight of Columbus. Wow. All, all, seven, all three sacraments of initiation. All- <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Thank you. All of this has resulted in finding a wonderful young woman who has become very supportive, a very supportive and caring girlfriend. Thanks again for this fantastic show, Army. Army. Thank you for joining Army. This is I amazing. Have, I have praise the Lord. We're this this amazing show, Doctor Ethan's Dating Corner, which is the show that to which we we're referring. I have yes. I have I have really great news about specifically Doctor Ethan's Dating Corner that I cannot wait to tell you after the podcast. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm so excited. <laughs> okay, so this one comes from Sue pseudonym. Sue uh, Donim. Uh, hello. Got it. I have a non-specific general question. Okay. I have a redundant, repetitive one. Uh, what do you think about a couple's siblings dating? Uh, uh. To clarify, Jane Doe is dating Carl Smith. Then their siblings, Tiffany Doe and Tim Smith, start dating. 
like the second couple met through their siblings and they started dating. Technically, I'm asking for a friend, but legally, <laughs> this is general. <laughs> what do you think, Dr. Ethan? Can sibling? I, I canonically, I don't even know that they can get married. I know. So, like, is this even legitimate? If there's any, if there's any priests listening who have studied in Rome, let us know. Ed Condon, if you're listening, and I know you are not. And I know that you are. Yeah. Uh, J.D. Flynn would be the more likely of the two to listen, and even then, I feel like we would bore him. Definitely so, not, yeah. uh, oh gosh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is the problem. I, I'm pretty sure this is a plot on the te- television program Gossip Girl, where uh, the the what's her name played by Blake Lively and uh, Dan Humphreys they were dating, and then his sister and her brother were like talking, and then her mom and his dad started talking, and I was like, man, this is gonna be a zipper, isn't it? Just gonna zip right up, <laughs> oh, you know? No. We're just gonna get this family just gonna oh. be one flesh all together. <laughs> oh no, one big flesh pot. No thanks. <laughs> I I think it's bad. I think my initial gut reaction is like, obviously, there's nothing wrong with it from yeah. a human standpoint <laughs> from but a biological just, standpoint but think about this okay they're the beauty of a family <laughs> is that when you don't like one side of it you just you go just to go the to other another. side but there's it's all the same side now I, I, my response, all I, sent there. Her, I sent her an email she was like what do you think and i was like here are my thoughts you great don't get for, in-laws my first thoughts Great for bloodlines, horrible for family reunions. <laughs> you <laughs> ever get hit on a family the, reunion? That's awkward. If you're in the unique situation of needing to have some kind of male heir in order to take over <laughs> a, a very successful company, then this is probably great. This is you're probably doing the right perfect, thing. Perfect. Perfect. How if if not, if this is just like everyone kind of thinks that the other family is attractive, Get out of there. What are you doing? This is so weird. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't think it should be allowed. I don't think it should be legal. And you're really just making it awkward for everyone. It's very Plus, yeah, just, uh, yeah, you, you, you only pick, you only make a couple of decisions in your life that define the rest of your life and who you <laughs> marry is one of those decisions. And whether or not to listen to the crunch is the second one. Yeah. Like, do you want your sister to be your double sister? That's no. weird. That's your so sister weird. is then your sister-in-law. That's uncomfortable. I, I know. You have to send so many birthday cards. <laughs> I got to send oh, one to my sister and one to my sister-in-law. Oh, I don't my know. God. That's yeah, really unfortunate. Yeah, I would have. I would advise against it just because it seems messy. It seems me- maybe maybe it's working out for you guys. Maybe you love the, I... the intergenerational zipper flesh pot. That's fun. <laughs> Go for it. I think it's a bad idea. Oh man. Um, great. I that's that's I don't want to say anything more about that. Hey. I want to be done. <laughs> tune in, tune in. Hopefully next week when I figure out that Doctor Ethan's dating corner fun thing. Um, if you liked our discussion about the Bible, get ready for this summer. The Bible cast is happening. Uh, what was that? What was that person suggested? A really fun title. Serial <laughs> uh, scripture. Serial scripture. Sounds like serial killer. I'm still tossing it around just because serial is like a very popular kind of brand. You know, yeah. so is it like a like a Catholic stuff you should know kind of thing? Like we're gonna take something that's really popular and make it Catholic and then get marginally popular? Cause Wait, cereal is a brand. Cereal, as in S E R I A L. Like yeah. you remember that? There's just lots of NPR podcasts that are called Cereal. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. The more you know. <laughs> uh, 
join Facebook.com. Join Patreon if you want to oh. do that. Patreon.com slash the crunch. Facebook.com slash groups. Facebook.com slash groups slash the crunch cast. We love it. It's pretty good. I, I've received a lot of hate mail about our <laughs> uh, last week's episode. Uh, thighs that cauterize. Everyone seems to be upset about what I said about the thighs. Um, Wait, really? I, I didn't receive any hate mail. But oh, okay. I've had multiple people <laughs> say, I can't believe you said thighs that cauterize. Or Patrick <laughs> said thighs that cauterize. It's just very, it's very good, very funny. We'll never top it. Never top it. That's, that's, a, that's, a, um, that's a thick juice uh yeah. level yeah joke. we're yeah. never gonna yeah. get over it <laughs> <laughs> patrick do you have anything else for the people tune in next week when i make a catholic match but it's exclusively for intergenerational zipper flesh pots <laughs> oh. the old igz <laughs> the old igz's <laughs> oh. thank you all for listening please pray for us we will be praying for you and we will see you all next week Thank you.